My best delight is to debate with friends of an evening around a supper table. We can change our world by talking to each other. This short book can provide the stimulus for more of those conversations. I'll be well satisfied. My aim, however, is to stimulate, not prescribe. For I know only too well that the devil is in the detail and that others will know the details better than I. Hello and welcome to the first podcast for Article 23 for 2021. My name is Jess Pollard. I'm the business director here at MOI, Making Work Absolutely Human. Uh, Those were the wise words of Charles Handy from his book, The Second Curve. And I thought they were a beautiful way to usher us into another year of conversations all around how to make work work for more of us. So whether you are a leader, someone working in the trenches to build a great culture in your organization, an entrepreneur or a career changer, in this podcast, we aim to explore the questions that are front of mind for you when it comes to work right now. We're excited to be getting back behind the microphone this year. We're going to be exploring some new formats, experimenting, and to celebrate the release of our new diversity and identity index, we're going to actually be running a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mini series over the next three to four podcasts. This is going to include everything from the basics through to how to design a great DNI strategy for your organization. We'll be really getting under the hood of what modern and innovative DNI is, breaking it down to the basics and making it easy for you to be a DNI champion in your workplace or community. So without further ado, I am joined here in the studio by our co-founder and DNI expert, the awesome Rhonda Brighton Hall. Welcome back. How was your holidays? My, my holidays were great. I have to say something else before I start though. Is that okay? Of course. I'm a massive Charles Handy fan. I just love the fact that you opened the year with a quote from him. Because when he came to Australia a few years ago and I met him, I went, I got in the queue, you know, after he speaks to get my photo taken. I didn't meet him and make friends. I just got in the queue. And uh, I met him when I was totally fangirl. Just so, totally starstruck. He's such a great guy. So, <laughs> anyway, how was my break? My break was fantastic because I did something that I'm really bad at. Um, hmm. That I very rarely do. Which what was that? Nothing. Oh. I'm exceptionally bad at doing nothing. And I always <laughs> like to be busy. And if I'm not doing something by about 8 o'clock in the morning, the day is wasted. What happened? And I literally did nothing. And I just tried to be in the moment, reflective of the year that was 2020. Mm. Um, just be with people that I loved, my family and my dogs. And just really just be and enjoy the moment. And it was great because Sydney got locked down. So we were all locked down. Um, Perfect moment for it. It was a moment of reflection. I think I really needed it. I'm not sure what other people needed that after last year, but I loved it. Yeah, I felt a little bit similar. Yeah, so we're sort of at this point, the start of 2021 and when it comes to essentially we're doing a diversity and inclusion mini series so when it comes to this conversation yeah it's really more significant than ever it's on people's minds more than ever yeah um and the vast majority of us really care about these topics yeah um whether that's uh aboriginal deaths in custody whether that's black lives matter the gender pay gap everyone's got a certain topic that really sparks their hearts but often it's how do we find a way into this conversation. Uh, so our aim in starting this miniseries in this first kickoff podcast is really about let's get back to basics. What's yep. this topic all about? How do we create a shared language and yep. a language where everyone can have a way in and to feel like they can ask some of those questions that have been at the back of their mind? How does that sound? I think it's fantastic. We, we see 
diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, we see these things as foundational to everything we do. Mm. And so if we're able to create a language where people don't feel that their eggshells are everywhere or they're not smart enough or not knowledgeable enough, we want everyone in this conversation, everyone. Mm. And if we can start that by common language, I want to do that. Oh, perfect. Well, that is going to lead to the first question. All right. <laughs> we we started off with diversity and inclusion. Yep. Now, diversity, equity, equity, inclusion and belonging. And sometimes there's been even safety thrown in there. Yeah. Let's get back to some guardrails. Yeah. What are the difference between these things and which are the ones that we really need to know? Well, let's start with the first four. Because I yes. think they're really important. Because people are even starting to call it now D-E-I-B and not even tell you what the initials are for. So let's <laughs> start with that. So diversity is our differences. Mm. Fundamentally, what are our differences? Um, equity is our equality. And that's that all our differences are worthy of an equal chance in life. And that's a really fundamental societal view that most of us hold, that not only are we worthwhile human beings but every other human being on earth is equally valuable and worthy and that's equity so that's where Mm. that one comes from the third one is inclusion and that's being invited to participate so being asked for our views and our contribution we're good to have you here what would you think so that's that invitation piece to include you in and the fourth one is belonging and that's not needing an invitation that's assuming that because i know i'm expected i'm needed and my contribution is valuable, whatever my difference is, that I turn up ready to be part of it. So it's like the the ultimate goal is to get everybody in your community, your society, organization feeling like they belong. Mm. So it's almost that pattern of growing from diversity through to inclusion, or through to equity, then through to inclusion, yep. and then belonging. That's how we're mutually accountable to each other and to creating a space together. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and there's more, you know, we can put all sorts of... Um, clutter around those definitions but i think the simple definitions are the best Hmm. so let's go back a bit in time and i'm not aiming to show any age or anything (laughs) in this but i'm genuinely intrigued you've probably been able to witness the evolution of this space Mm. can you talk me a little bit through your experience from starting right back to what it looks like now and the kind of journey of what you've seen in workplaces yeah I I think um sorry the journey is hundreds of years old okay you go back suffragettes and all sorts of things like that but it's what what we've seen in in my lifetime is we've seen that move from diversity where we we knew that some groups were excluded we would literally go into a workplace and everyone would look like us and so Mm. you go well i came in off a street where we didn't all look like me now i'm in the workplace everyone just looks like me what happened to everyone else so that that diversity and that awareness of who was left behind who was excluded and and so we noted what those excluded groups had in common um, started with gender like there's no women here I was mm. the first um, trainee that was given a degree traineeship in my field in BHP and it was like woo and they kept putting me in the newsletter and introduced me to the CEO it was like okay I get it you were it. taken everywhere you were the poster I, girl I was that and I was an incredibly shy 18 year old so I was like I was mortified so it was this like original lesson in building your brand yes it was an original lesson in mortification but it was yeah I was embarrassed about it and and so it did start with gender, but then we said, okay, white women can get in, but culturally diverse women can't. Oh, culture is important too, race, religion. And then we said, oh, there's no one with disability here. And of course, you know, a large percentage of the population has disabilities. So how come they're not at work with us? So that was where we, st- we started to sort of say, who's not here? Um, why is it they're excluded? What is it about them that they can't get in? And so came things like the equal opportunity laws, the affirmative action laws, proactive policies to help people like them get in. Mm. And that was the the big thrust of it. 
And then we sort of went out to go, wow, that's really hard. We can't pass a law every time we want to do something. You know, every time we notice someone missing, we need to go and legislate for it. Um, although, you know, it's well, that's like the baseline. That's now baseline. what? Yeah, now's what? And now, now we sort of said, well, actually, I don't really need a law to be fair. And equity was where that comes from. And so it's a better world, a better society if we don't take a group of people and leave them out in the cold with no opportunities. It's going to be better if we can bring them in. And so that was sort of the movements to um, fundamentally change to a society of greater fairness, greater equity, more opportunity for everybody. Um, and you heard those expressions in the way that it was talked about. And that got us thinking away from us versus them. And actually, we're all equally worthy. Mm. And therefore, we need to play in this together and do it the right way. So we're talking now moving from the 80s to the 90s, I guess is the right way to think about that. I came into the world. There you came. <laughs> Oh, no, now I'm giving away my age. <laughs> well, lucky we laid this platform for you. Uh, and the next one was inclusion. We said, okay, well, we can't just keep on counting people and checking on a group and making it about an individual. Let's make it inclusive. We'll just make an environment where everybody's included. So we'll get rid of bias and we'll get rid of unconscious bias and we'll create this environment where you're always included. Um, and that's, um, we sort of, we got people in under diversity and equity, but we couldn't, they didn't thrive. They didn't stay. They were like the oh, like I'm being the only girl in BHP. So I was like, <laughs> and so would this be from an HR perspective where the attrition rates would have yeah. just gone through the yeah. roof? You're like, okay, great. So we've got all this talent coming in. Yeah, they've lasted two years and yeah. they are out. Aren't we clever to recruit all these women? Uh, we lost them all. <laughs> now we yeah. need to recruit more, and that's exactly what was happening. So we started to say, what does inclusion look like? And it looks like sponsorship, mentorship, empowering, networking. These are all the things that came in under inclusion. But it was still very often that the very powerful majority looked after the others. In other words, it was quite paternal approach. And I still think it is. So we know what's best for you. This is how I was successful. Let me tell you how you should do it. As opposed to creating an environment where actually you don't need to do it my way. You can actually, just because you didn't you know, create the system and it wasn't created for you. I don't need to tell you how the system works. I need to change the system so actually hmm. you can make your own way. And this is where I think that Don't Fix Women, that great book by Catherine Fox. That's exactly right. Perfect yeah. example of it where we yeah. kept saying, oh, women aren't confident. And I'm like, there's no evidence of that whatsoever, but okay. <laughs> that was actually a huge uh, blow to me because I believed that I my whole life I until I read that book and looked at some of the stats around well, it's actually the women that need to change. No, it's the system that needs to. And there's so many anecdotal things that we've held and now stereotype around women getting roles, not getting roles. Yes. And there was also in the inclusion period, which was quite long, and some companies are still stuck in it, <laughs> um, we had all this, inter the idea of intersectionality, which is obviously true. Like, I'm not just a woman. So I'm for also... someone who doesn't know what intersectionality is, yes, what is it? It's where different areas of diversity or difference, mm -hmm. you have more than one. I say I may be a woman, I may also be LGBTI, I may be LGBTI and I have a disability or mm. one of those. So it's, it's say it's tough for women, but it's even tougher for women who are culturally and linguistically diverse. And that's where that came from. And alongside that come, came these models of inclusion where we said, okay, the way to include all this intersectionality and difference, which was all very complicated, was this very, very complicated model of inclusive leadership, which was 12 different factors that we needed to teach people so they could be inclusive. And of course, that's well, just... that's a lot of things to remember. <laughs> I, didn't they say you can only remember seven? Isn't that the answer? I only say five. I mean, I can probably, I'm three, maybe that. <laughs> I might be three too, but I always think five. A seven, I've lost my fingers and I'm, I'm done. So, and that sort of led to a conversation about difference 
that we needed to think differently about it. About each group and then each subsection of each group. Yes. That's a lot of thinking about a lot of groups. Yes, it is a lot of groups. And then you started to see, oh, wow, we can't do all this intersectionality networks because, you know, we've got all this funding and we've got priorities now. Diversity inclusion plan is now 18 pages long and we haven't even got time to present it, let alone actually get the actions done, let alone afford it. And so what we've we've been thinking about is what's ultimately in that. And that brings us to where I think we're up to now. And we've done, you know, many conversations about this, just as we know. But what's belonging? What does it mean? And basically what we think that is, is how do I thrive? What does it take to thrive here? And what do I need? And much more importantly, and ultimately, what can I give to others so they too can thrive? Because we can thrive together. We have a very different team, a very different organization, very different possibility and potential. And so that's sort of rather than, you know, describing everyone in this incredible complexity, which every individual is, it's actually get down to the simplicity of whatever your identity is. We welcome you. Do you feel like it's like the arrival at most beautiful, simple ideas? It takes a whole lot of chaos to get there until you arrive at the point of we need to create a shared language that we all have a way into where we can all be included and all of our views are valued is that i think that's a great i think that's a great way to put it and what you're trying to do is simply um nothing more nothing less than creating an environment where differences where perspectives experiences are sought are expected are valued and are leveraged because you know, I might come up with a brilliant idea, but your experience totally different than mine. Adding to it may make my brilliant idea different, but much, much better. And so that's when you start to think that you can you can be good on your own. You can be better when we're together. Hmm. It reminds me there is this beautiful book called Community, um, <laughs> and it talks about oh, it's by Peter Block, and it's I know it's one of your favorites. So yes, it a, is. Um, <laughs> And it says, social fabric is created one room at a time. It's formed from one small step that asks, who do we want to be in the room? And what is the new conversation that we want to occur? And his main work work is in community building. And he said, it's the people in the conversation that will produce the accountability to build relatedness, structure belonging, and move action forward. And I mean, I just think those are such beautiful words, which is why I directly quoted him. <laughs> Wish That's I could write clever. that. Yeah. I would go him and Charles Handy. <laughs> yeah, I like, I'm just going to steal their words. But I think it's that nice, you know, sort of segue and also evolution of what we were talking about of how do we come into that space together with an open mind and, and, and putting in, the, in context that right now we're sitting the week after the very contentious Australia Day, different views on that. Yeah. Where, where do we where do we begin to to start when to you, build that again when you think about work you know i think peter block is right is that we're actually what we're doing is we're creating a community a group of people that we want to be with that want to be with us um that are on the same page trying to achieve something worthwhile together like that's really what works about it's not more intellectual or esoteric than that it's like what can I give my head, hands, heart to, to get something done together? And that requires everyone to have a role. And I think the most important thing that, that Peter Block talks about in community is that the essence of belonging is actually accountability. We always mm. think of it as inclusion, but it's actually the accountability to the group that when you turn up to belong to community, you don't turn up and say, oh, 
um, thank you for arriving. I want to hear your view. You turn up because, oh my God, this is my community. I need to get here. These are my people. They need me and I need to be there. And that's accountability. It's um, where you're accountable to the group for doing something that makes a difference and brings the whole group forward. That's belonging. That's a very different than permission to turn up. This is actually, you know, a need to turn up, an expectation that you want to be there. Interesting question then. Which of these two questions is more essential? Where do I belong? Or how do I create a space in which you belong? Well, it's an interesting question. And I think we always start with that first one of where do I belong? Because we search for ourselves. But actually we belong where we can create it for other people. And I think that that's where you land and you feel like you really do belong is when you're so entrenched in it, you're already part of it, that it's expected that you're there, that you now have the power and the expectation to reach out and help other people belong. And that's sort of, that's happiness, that's life. I mean, that's a really esoteric conversation, but it's very fundamental to who we are. And it's what really struck me. So we've been loving releasing our belonging videos and we just released one with Bobby Marlab. Yeah, she's and wonderful. What struck me, not just from her video, but from all of the ones we've released and the ones still to be released, is this accountability piece. You're totally right. When I sew the threads together, it's that sense of my community is, is so entrenched in who I am that giving back is part of me, that it brings this whole essence and it's why we live, you know, and when you see those people that have created incredible change in their own communities, mm. the way they talk about it is so simple. Mm. It's really about bringing people in, and making them feel welcome. A much higher expectation of each other too. Like if, if, if you've created a community, I join and I become such an important part of that community that you then expect me to create belonging for other people, to include and to create belonging for other people. That's a much better expectation than permission to attend. Mm. And it's a virtuous cycle yeah. that grows off it because when you see someone else do it, you go, oh, that looks great. That feels great. <laughs> okay, then I'll do it. And then he does it. And then, yeah. and I mean, then it I'm important in this community. I have a job to do. I need to include other people. I think that's very, very important. So I'm going to ask a sticky question as we sort of – we've looked at our baselines of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Yep. We've sort of looked at, you know, what does it mean to belong? How do we enter hard conversations? So someone who's experienced you just uh, – you find it – difficult to even know where to begin whether it's talking to someone with a disability that you just don't have an understanding of or an experience where you you're worried you feel like i don't even and i think this is how a lot of people feel at the moment i just don't know the door in yeah what are some questions we saw saw that in australia day there was i thought it was very interesting this year because we still had you know the trench warfare of you know people down there just yelling at each other Mm. but there was also a huge number of people in the middle going empathetically I get the topic I get the agenda and I want to be part of the solution and it was a much softer and more inclusive conversation in the middle the mm. trench warfare was sort of trench warfare was sort of left and I think that what the people in the middle are doing from both sides and there were some beautiful examples um, is a couple of things I really think that it's to join the conversation you have to start with a really open mind um, not mm. just what's in it for me or how to what is it fair for me but actually you know, who's around me? How can I be helpful? What can I learn from them? You know, there's a lot that I can get from being here, being genuinely open to equity, that other people are as valuable and you've got a role in their lives. I think that that's the, the biggest thing you can do is that open mind and that the people around you are worth knowing. Um, yes, yeah, the curiosity at the base of massively. that. And a, I think maybe a willingness, you know, that feeling when you have a belief in your gut that you go, oh, this is the right way to go. Yeah. This is what I believe. 
And when someone challenges that, you have that feeling you sort of have to just go, okay, breathe it out, let it yeah. go. I yeah. need to come into this with a different perspective. Yeah. And Bobby said it so beautifully in that video that you quoted because she talks about the fact that when you feel like you belong, you're open to other people. When you don't feel yeah. like you belong, you're defending your position. And, and that's what we see. The trench warfare is people defending their positions, whatever they may be. And the people in the middle is this openness to, I'm going to f- help find a path. Mm. Um, the second thing is expect to play a role is that you can't sit out of a community. You can't just sit in the side and say, let me tell you how the community's going. I can see Mm. it. You go, well, that's not really part of the role. So if you want to create a community genuinely and belong in one and be part of it, um, we have a role in that, not just to critique, but actually to participate and actively participate for others. And that's a, that's a, there's an accountability in that. And then the last thing, which is this ultimate thing you're trying to get to. So you've got an open mind. You're expecting to play a role, not Mm. just participate in terms of questions, but actually get involved. What you actually want to do is drop your assumptions, ask questions, be interested, get rid of the eggshells, know that each individual will come in um, with something that's uniquely weighted in their identity and the way they think about themselves and be open to whatever they may have have to offer you. And Mm. I think it's that sort of flow. Open mind, expect to play a role, start asking questions without your home-built assumptions. Mm. I think that's a great place to I think end this first little chewy bite of our DNI mini series thank you that was it's always a great education lesson when we sit together and we learn and share <laughs> and that's why we love making this podcast um, so we will be back next week and next week we're going to be doing a DNI and COVID deep dive which is okay so we've got a global pandemic going on where does this conversation fit within that Uh, And how do we start to think about that more from a strategy and organizational perspective? So whether you are new to this topic or you're an expert, come in, tune in next week. Thank you, Rhonda, for bringing your expertise into today. It's it's my great passion, this topic. So the more that we can take away the eggshells, get people talking, getting people involved, um, being comfortable and confident to ask questions every day, I think we're in better shape for all of us. Definitely. And I guess because here at Wired, this really is our passion we love the people and culture space we're obsessed (laughs) by it um so if you're interested in learning more about the culture dashboard in particular from this conversation the diversity and identity index we would love to have a chat with you um you can also learn more about our cultural views or our digital knowledge base and yeah do reach out so it's a big moi from the moi team and i Uh, stay in touch with our community you can either jump onto our newsletter or better still, you can join our community of subscribers. To do this, you can contact us at team at moi.live or you can visit our website at www.moi.live. So that's a big moi from, from us. us. <laughs> See you later. Thanks. <laughs>